Go ahead and have a seat. Today's text comes to us from Isaiah chapter 7, starting with verse 10. Isaiah 7, starting with verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Now, this is a very familiar sounding text that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It, it conjures up, at least for me, those memories of being in a, in a Christmas pageant or a or Christmas program and the, the little angels and the little, and the little nativity people all dressed up and, and remembering, memorizing these lines and those warm fuzzies that I would feel because of that. But context is everything. Right? Even though Isaiah is giving us a glimpse of what is to come in the future, he's also speaking to King Ahaz in that particular moment in time with words that are addressed just for him as well. So let's go back in time and consider what is happening to King Ahaz. First of all, who is King Ahaz? He is a, a descendant in the line of David, ruling on David's throne and David's family tree as a part of the messianic promise that from this family will come the king of kings, Emmanuel, God with us. But even though he's from the family of David, he doesn't have the same heart that David had for God. In fact, King Ahaz's heart is for the world and, and for worldly idols all over the place. He's known as being one of the worst kings of Judah for his unfaithfulness to God. In fact, he even sacrificed to idols, and as Scripture says, sacrificed idols under every green tree in the land. He even sacrificed his own son in worshiping vitals. He was hard-hearted when it came time to hear Isaiah's prophetic message from God. So that's who he is. What he's experiencing, there are two enemy forces that are bearing down onto Judah. The, the Ephraim, which are the northern kingdoms of Israel, and Syria are pressing in on Judah threatening to overwhelm. In fact, so much so that they were shaking like trees, Scripture says. Now, at first, Isaiah comes to King Ahaz with words of relief that both of these attacking kings and their kingdoms will fall. They will be no more. Don't worry, Isaiah, about what is threatening you. Here's the catch. They will fall in 65 years. Okay, but what about the here and the now? And, and King Ahaz has no faith and trust that God will carry them and allow them to persevere through those 65 years of persecution and difficulty. And so he takes matters into his own hands. He becomes impatient with God and takes matters into his own hands, finding some, trying to find some political answer to his problem. And he's faced with this critical decision. 
Should he, as Isaiah says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint, wait on the Lord 65 years, or act now, take matters into his own hand to preserve his own reign. And I want to dig deeper into this decision that has everything to do with patience and trust in God. Patience. Let me define patience for you because patience is not procrastination. It's not just putting something off that needs to be done. Patience is also not doing anything, right? We are to continue in the mission that God has given us, being patient for his return. And that mission that God has given us is awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. We are to continue to do that until he returns. Patience is also, hear this clearly, patience is also not encountering miserable circumstances and grumbling and complaining. That's just being miserable. But being patient is being filled with peace, confidence and trust in God, and enduring difficulties with joy. That's patience. King Ahaz had zero patience. Our text says that under, he was under siege from Syria and Israel, the northern tribes of Israel. And Ahaz reaches out to a guy named Tiglath-Pileser. He's the king of Assyria, trying to find assistance from him. He sets up altars all over Jerusalem to other gods, making sacrifices and offerings to other gods. And he epitomizes our own human hearts of that, that sleepy, groggy, sinful heart that is constantly seeking something other than God for our security and our happiness. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, gives King Ahaz an incredible opportunity. Isaiah says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. In other words, Isaiah, excuse me, King Ahaz, what would it take for you to trust in me? Tell me anything. Sky literally is the limit. But Isaiah says, I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, this may sound like he is trying to be pious and, and reverent to God, because after all, we're not supposed to put the Lord our God to the test. That's scriptural, but it's scriptural in the way that the enemy uses scripture. Because King Ahaz has absolutely no intention of turning to God for help. In fact, he'll turn everywhere else first. This was his moment of decision. This was King Ahaz's point of no return. Then Isaiah says this, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? See, when Isaiah enters into this conversation, he tells King Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for anything. And then here he says, You would weary my God? That's a big shift. Because Isaiah is pointing out to King Ahaz that the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now no longer your God. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And then there's this whole house of David comment that Isaiah makes. Because he is reminding King Ahaz that you have come from this line beginning with David and the great family tree and reign of David. But that tree, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about is about to be cut down. And it's cut down because of what you have decided right here and right now. You are a part of the kingdom of David. That's like when your mom and dad use your middle name. Tig Anthony Currier Culbertson. You're like, ooh, 
<laughs> I'm in trouble. I better listen. You are from the house of David. You should know better. If only Ahaz could have been persuaded to disengage himself from taking matters into his own hands and trusting in the political realm, then the Lord would preserve Judah. But if Ahaz links himself to Assyria, he will be taking the tiger by the tail and will have put the nail in the coffin of Judah. Will Ahaz be saved by trust in God and patiently waiting or by taking matters into his own hands? And the dynasty of the house of David is at stake. And from this time, the time that Ahaz disbelieved, he and his descendants and those who reigned on the throne after him were just mere puppets being controlled by other countries, first Assyria, then Babylon, until finally the whole nation of Jerusalem fell in 586 B.C. That extinguished the monarchy, the kingdom that God started with David. But God, in his infinite wisdom, allowed that shoot to grow up out of Jesse's stump. That Jesus, by the time he would be born, Emmanuel, God with us, there would be no more kingdom left. No throne to sit on. There was no crown given to Jesus that was gold and laden with many stones. The crown that Jesus would get would be made of thorns. It would cause his head to bleed. The same blood that we receive today that cleanses us and washes us clean and makes us new and brings us from dead back to life. So here's the trouble summarized. We've got pressing outside forces, threatening security. Isaiah, speaking for God, says, have patience, wait for the promise of God to save you, or take matters into your own hands and be crushed. And before we get down too hard on Ahaz, I think it's important that we take a look at how much we actually have in common with him. Have you ever found yourself losing patience with what's going on around you or how God is running the world? Have you ever thought that his perfect timing is not as good as yours? Have you ever wondered how long will your current suffering last? Maybe 65 years? We see in Ahaz a total lack of trust in God to save him. And I'm wondering that if there's some among us today that just think this gospel thing is just simply too good to be true, and I can't believe it. I can't believe that someone just out of grace and out of mercy would freely give me this gift of life and an everlasting life at that. I can't believe that God would care about me when you look at everything that's happened to me. Maybe this whole Christian thing is just about a good way to live, and that's it. I want to tell you, those thoughts and whispers are of Satan. They are not of truth. The truth is that God loves you passionately and is willing to go to any length to save and redeem you, even send his one and only son, Emmanuel, God with us, to bear the price that we deserve and give us the life that we could never attain on our own. See, Ahaz, he has bigger fish to fry, though. He's playing hardball with the big boys, with the big nations of the world, the superpowers at that time, and he doesn't have time for some foolish preacher meddling in things that are over his head. He has a 
divided heart, an unawakened heart. And this impatience of humanity, Scripture says, Isaiah says, speaking for God, it wearies God. That's frightening. That every time we look to something else in idolatry, for something else, for our own security, for our own sense of happiness or worth other than God, it wearies Him. That should be frightening. Because when you stand in the presence of God, and this is why the the message of Emmanuel was not good news for King Ahaz, but bad news, when you stand in the presence of God without a Redeemer, that is a damned place to stand. But when you stand in the presence of God with Jesus' righteousness wrapped around you, Emmanuel, God with us, those words are sweet as honey. See, the truth is we don't need any political saviors. Those don't exist. There is not a politician that will right the wrongs of the world. The world doesn't need politicians or world leaders or mighty armies. The world needs a savior. That's exactly what we've been given with this Emmanuel promise. You see, the abiding truth of this particular passage is that faith in the Lord and in his promises are a practical approach to the problems that we face right now. Let me share with you the grace that's in this text. In verse 14, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Here it is. The son born will be called God with us. All right, Ahaz, you refuse to ask for a sign. I said sky was the limit. So literally from the skies, from the heavens, I will send my son to be the sign that I have come to redeem this world. The person, the irony, the person who refused the sign is the one who receives the sign of Emmanuel. The gift that humanity has desperately needed and yearned for since the third chapter of recorded history will be given to someone who refused to ask for it. Now again, like I said before, this, in the context of King Ahaz, this is not a word of gospel, but a word of judgment. God with us, without a redeemer, is damnation. But we have a redeemer who's already paid the price to bring us back into a right relationship with God. God is with us. And the entire event of Jesus, his birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and promised return makes that name Emmanuel gospel. Right before the words of our text today, God says through Isaiah, be careful, keep calm. In other words, be patient. If you're facing problems that threaten your security, then hear these words today. Paul wrote these words to the church in Philippi. This is Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this peace that we have that passes all understanding, which means it's this peace that just defies logic. When you have that peace in you, it pushes out fears, it pushes out anxiety, and it enables you to be patient, to wait on God. This peace that we have with God, that we have a right relationship, not at war anymore because of our sin, but at peace because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. 
and our promised resurrection, that we are at peace with God. The strongest thing out there is at peace with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Hear these words. When there is questionable world leaders threatening nuclear weapons, trust in God. When there's rising inflation, trust in God. When Christian positions are being attacked as being by the the moral, worldly people who know better, trust in God. Even when you don't see a way out, trust in God. Even when you don't see an end to the suffering, trust in God. Put your trust in Him, not in the government to bring solutions to your problems. Be careful and be calm and put your trust in Him. Because what is coming is beyond imagination how good it will be. The kingdom of God, the world put right, the life that we will enjoy forever and ever and ever will make the the fleeting problems of today seem so incredibly trivial that you can endure with the strength and help of God to turn to Him for your help, to Him for your salvation, Trust in Him. And that peace that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.